Hello, fellow sojourners, and welcome to another edition of Appropriate in the Culture. On today's episode, Virginia students walk out in support of walking out of class. Also, something about trans rights. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Also, the Supreme Court decides that a Jewish university must allow LGBT clubs on its campus while the case is ongoing, and we discuss the modern Christian approach to sending our children to public education. I'm Pastor Shane. I'll be your club president today as we appropriate some culture. So as you know, we focus a lot on media as art and entertainment are chief drivers of the culture. But the media is not the exclusive cultural influencer. As we've always said, one of the most important influencers is public education. Almost 100 years ago, J. Grisham Machen, in his book Christianity and Liberalism, warned about the dangers of government education, writing, quote, Place the lives of children in their formative years, despite the convictions of their parents, under the intimate control of experts appointed by the state. Force them then to attend schools where the higher aspirations of humanity are crushed out and where the mind is filled with the materialism of the day, and it is difficult to see how even the remnants of liberty can subsist. Such a tyranny, supported as it is by a perverse technique used as the instrument in destroying human souls, is certainly far more dangerous than the crude tyrannies of the past, which despite their weapons of fire and sword, permitted thought at least to be free. That's hard to disagree with. Increasingly, it seems the primary purpose of public schooling is ideological indoctrination rather than pragmatic education, which is being brought to us by teachers like this. So I was a seventh grade civics uh, teacher, government teacher, and she is an elementary school teacher. What year did we get our independence? <laughs> 17 something. We're teachers. I actually don't teach what's in our curriculum. I'm teaching children social studies that's not in our curriculum, teaching them things about how to be an anti-racist. I taught them about protesting. I taught them about Black Lives Matter. Now she may be an outlier, but looking at test scores, probably not. Let's check in on the state of American education in a new segment we're calling Let's Check In on American Education. How many moons does the Earth have? Six. Yes. Do you know how many people are in the USA? Three billion? Yes. Do you know who fought in the Civil War? Who fought in the Civil War? Yeah. It was us against the uh, Soviets. Yes. Do you know how many states there are? There's a star for each state, so 51. Yes. How many states make up the United States? Around how many? 13. Yes. And Do you know how many stars are on the U.S. flag? 50. Do you know what the stars stand for? No. Take a guess. The number of laws? I, I, I have no... I was right? Yes. You just guessed? Yeah. Around how many people would you say live on Earth? On Earth? Yeah. Eight million. Million or billion? Eight million. Yes. Do you know what country we gained our independence from? France? Yes. How many states make up the USA? 55. Do you know what the letter O on the periodic table stands for? Uh, <laughs> nah. Take a guess. What do you think it stands for? Uh, <laughs> octopus. Yes. Do you know what year the War of 1812 was? 
I'm gonna say 1825 maybe. Yes. But of course, how could you possibly know that the O in the periodic table doesn't stand for octopus when you're focused more on trans rights than chemistry, like public schools in Virginia? Youngkin's rollback of transgender student protections. The new rules require transgender students to use bathrooms that correspond to their sex assigned at birth. They also require schools to get parental permission before making official changes to a child's name or pronoun. 7 News spoke with Governor Glenn Youngkin about the controversial policy and the growing backlash. There, you either think that parents should be engaged in this decision, which is what I firmly believe it's what Virginia voters uh, expressed loudly last year, or you think that parents should be excluded from this decision. And you heard Governor Youngkin there defend the change as a parental rights issue, which is something that he did campaign on. Many Democrats and civil rights groups have pushed back, though, and this morning some students are joining the opposition. 7 News reporter Joy Wang is live in Falls Church High School. And Joy, this walkout is a grassroots movement started by the students. Yeah, right here in Fairfax County, actually, I talked to a couple of students who go to school here in the district. We are talking about the Pride Liberation Project, and it's made up of students hoping to bring attention to concerns to the LGBTQIA community. Now, we do want to mention that the number of students I spoke with said that they are very concerned about this proposed policy, thinking it will not only impact the safety of students, but the mental health of the students and teachers around them. And that was after they walked out to protest the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's almost as if they just want to skip out on school. Which is precisely what one student organizer discovered, quote, I want to know if anyone else had this problem. Yesterday at the school walkout, we had about 200 kids participating. Most of the students were just there to skip class. Most of the flyers I handed out got handed right back to me because most of the people weren't there for the cause of the walkout. They just wanted to skip class. We're all very shocked. But what isn't surprising is that school districts across the country are placing an increased emphasis on learning the alphabet. LGBTQIA, that's what we learn in school all day. Writer and journalist Christopher Rufo got a hold of documents put out by the Los Angeles Unified School District, and here's what he found. The materials include a wide range of conferences, presentations, curricula, teacher training programs, adult-driven gender and sexuality clubs, and school-sponsored protests. In a week-long conference last fall titled Standing with LGBTQ Plus Students, Staff, and Families, administrators hosted workshops with presentations on breaking the gender binary, providing children with free gender-affirming clothing, understanding what your queer middle schooler wants you to know, and producing counter-narratives against the master narrative of the mainstream white cis-heteropatriarchy society. The narrative follows the standard academic slop, white, cisgender, heterosexual men have built a repressive social structure, divided the world into the false binary of man and woman, and used this myth to oppress racial and sexual minorities. Religion, too, is a mechanism of repression. During the conference, the district highlighted how teachers can respond to religious objections to gender ideology and promoted materials on how students can be Muslim and trans. That doesn't seem that hard. I have a beard and I think I could pull off a burqa. Ooh, who's that sexy ghost? Of course, they don't mean that kind of Muslim. They mean a Muslim that uh, doesn't adhere to Islam. 
Rufo continues, In another training program titled Queering Culture and Race, the Human Relations Diversity and Equity Office encouraged teachers to adopt the principle of intersectionality, a key tenet of critical race theory, and apply it to the classroom. First, administrators asked teachers to identify themselves by race, gender, and sexual orientation, and to consider their position on the identity hierarchy. The district then encouraged teachers to avoid gendered expressions in the classroom, including boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, which, according to queer theory, are vestiges of the oppressive gender binary. Administrators also warned teachers that they might have to work against the families of their minority students, especially black students, regarding sexuality. The black community often holds rigid and traditional views of sexual orientation and gender expression, the presenters claimed. Black LGBTQ youth experience homophobia and transphobia from their familial communities. That's the Los Angeles Unified School District actively seeking to undermine the values of traditionalists, religious communities, and families. But at least the Los Angeles Unified School District is academically number one in the state. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, they're constantly below the state average in math, reading proficiency, and graduation rates. But it's fine if the test scores continue to plummet so long as the ideology is promulgated. And the values of our culture are corrupting not just our public institutions, but also religious institutions as well. Take, for instance, Yeshiva University, which is an Orthodox Jewish university. Four current and former students with the YU Pride Alliance filed suit in Manhattan Superior Court last April. After the the college denied multiple requests to register the group as a student club. Four current and former students? Is that eight people total? Or do you mean four total, both among current and former students? Also, former students? Oh man, I really hate the club situation at the college I don't go to. And speaking of former students in colleges, my alma mater, Biola University, filed briefs in support of Yeshiva University in here peep from Azusa. But alas, the Supreme Court in a 5-4 vote refused to block a trial judge's ruling that required the university to recognize the group under New York City's anti-discrimination law. Basically, the litigation is still ongoing, but a New York court said that while the litigation is proceeding, you can't have a policy against LGBTQ clubs on your Orthodox Jewish campus. Because in America, there is only one true orthodoxy, and it supersedes your private, silly religious notions. It's the essential doctrine, and it's what we're going to teach your kids from K through 12th grade and beyond. So how do we combat this? How do we appropriate the education system? Well, here's a picture that puts forth one idea, and there are many Christians who hold to this view, that their kids are ambassadors, that they are sending their children to a hostile environment to do battle and to win it over for Christ. I don't agree with that, because I don't think that children are good warriors, either in a literal war or a spiritual one. Now, I'm not in favor of sheltering them to the extent that they never go forth into the world, no. But in their formative years, they are formed. I mean, just realistically, it's what? Six, seven hours, Monday through Friday, of their secular spiritual formation versus what? An hour on Sunday? An hour at midweek? 
I want my children to be formed by my values and views, not the values and views of the state of California. And unquestionably, there are hostile forces to Christianity that are using the power of the state to indoctrinate our children in a worldview that is contrary to Christianity. So I wholeheartedly recommend getting your kids out of public schools. Sometimes that takes sacrifice, but it is doable, especially homeschooling. And if we're going to change the culture, we need future generations to be properly educated and inculcated in the teachings of Christ. Now, having said that, I understand, too, that schooling is local. There are good schools and good teachers, and you maybe have no problem with your local public school. Okay, fair enough. But if you view your child's school as a hostile environment, then I don't think you should put your children on the front lines. Now, that doesn't mean that we just abandon our public schools. No, they need ambassadors. They need warriors. I just don't think they should be kids. We're the grown-ups. We're the mature ones. We're the ones to do battle. We need Christians in the schools, Christian teachers, Christian principals, Christian counselors, Christian superintendents, Christian board members. I think properly, culturally appropriating is to pull your kids out and put yourself in. All right, well, that'll do for today. As always, if you like what we're doing here, like, subscribe, rate, review, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Locals, Twitter, follow, join, do all the things. And one last special thing, I'm pleased to announce the launch of a new podcast called Critically Acclaimed, which features the writings of critically acclaimed author Nathan Shane Miller. Yes! You may not be an avid reader, but for a limited time, you can listen to my inaugural novel, The End of Magic, in podcast form. There will also be upcoming short stories and some random self-reflections on why I write what I write. So subscribe to that today, and I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. (laughs) 